Jesus was late. It pains me to say this as a person who really values punctuality. He shows up late to his pastoral visit to Bethany to check on Lazarus and his sister, and Lazarus went and died on him. Martha gives him the business, respectfully, of course. She says, Lord, had you been here, my brother wouldn't have died. This first part is a feeling many of us have felt. Maybe we're in the middle of feeling it. If we haven't felt it yet, you're going to feel it sometime in the future when you encounter pain or suffering or rupture or death. The psalmist put it in so many different ways. Again and again, how long, O Lord? Where are you, God? Wake up. If you had been here, blank wouldn't have happened. Blank couldn't have happened. Fill in that blank for yourself. This is almost an accusation towards God. Martha's honesty reveals something mostly true. It's mostly true that God deeply grieves suffering, hates death, and is often the only one who can do anything about it. But lest her words sound overly harsh, she continues, Even now I know that whatever you ask God, God will give you. Bless her heart, Martha must have been Southern. This is such a roundabout way of asking someone for something. It's only slightly passive-aggressive. I think of my wife's uh, grandfather, who uh, he was always he was a pastor, and he was always just so good at asking. Sure would be nice if I had a cup of warm eggnog and just kind of wait for the chips to fall in that eggnog to show up exactly how he desired it. But Jesus tracks with her. Isn't that like Jesus? Isn't that so like Jesus? To know what we need before we ask and to delight in our asking even when it's clumsy, even when it's imperfectly expressed, or sometimes even in the opposite of what we really need. He says, your brother will rise again. You see, Jesus is about to make a big impact on this family's life. He raises Lazarus from the dead, but not without weeping over his body and mingling his own tears with the tears of Lazarus' family. As Pastor Meg preached earlier, echoing Oscar Romero, Some things can only be seen through eyes that have cried, Jesus, God, with us. John's Gospel says, the word made flesh wept. Jesus wept. We might consider this the center, the the pivot point for John's whole telling of the good news. And then, after Jesus wept, in a short amount of time, in fact, in an overdue amount of time, Jesus applies massive and miraculous power. The result is that Lazarus is raised from the dead. He no longer sleeps, but he lives. This is a lowercase r resurrection, hinting at and and previewing Jesus' own capital R resurrection that we are now included in. 
I can't imagine the joy that family must have experienced. How much they were impacted by Jesus's presence and power with them in their suffering and grief. We long to experience this kind of impact. We long to offer this sort of impact to others. It makes me think about how so many of us think about the impact our lives are having. Most of us are also ruthlessly measured by our impact. The amount of widgets we make or clicks and impressions we generate or the dollars that we earn or mouths that we feed or if you're a pastor like me, the butts and bucks and baptisms that we can count or maybe the RBI doubles you can hit or the floors you can sweep or the words that you can write or read or edit or grade. This changes a little depending on your life stage. When you're young, it's all potential. Everything is out in front of you. You are going to change the world and young ones listening, please change the world. You can do this. Or maybe you're somewhere in the middle like me and you're feeling a little guilty that you're not having as much measurable impact as you thought on anything or anyone. This world just regresses to a mean and that feels so awful. Or maybe you're a little bit older and you're looking back and really feeling the crunch on your time to make the impact that you once intended. And in any case, we often consider impact, this is kind of the equation, don't ask me, talk to the physics people, impact is applying a lot of force or power for change over a little amount of time. A lot of force over a little amount of time. In fact, our great city of Durham, heck, our neighborhood here in Lakewood has seen so much impact in a short amount of time, positive, negative, or otherwise. Lots of force, little time. Money and resources poured into innovation and beautification and housing and all these things. But impact is not all always positive. Violence also makes a deep and irreparable impact. Poverty and pandemics and addiction and abuse and mental health crises make impacts that feel more like craters. An asteroid also makes an impact. And where is God in all of this? Where is God's positive impact when we've been impacted deeply by hurtful or harmful things, when we've been impacted by sin's effects on this world, by the enemy who comes to steal, kill, and destroy, when we've been impacted by our own capacity for greed and corruption, or impacted others with our enslavement to the patterns of this world. Where is God's positive impact when we found out about the cancer growing in our bodies or when there's fighting that has forced us into exile far away from our home? Where is God's presence and power when we've been slowly ground down to despair or isolation? Sometimes it doesn't even feel like we can or that we should hope for God's impact. That burst of divine intervention that might make things right. 
that would just be setting ourselves up for disappointment and around others it would maybe set ourselves up for embarrassment. I had a friend email me um, a message about our mural boards on the front. They say, above all, trust in the slow works of God, that Pierre de Chardin poem. And the question was, and this was a friendly question, um, does God only work slowly? And I have a master's of divinity, but I don't know the answers to some of these questions. The question was, does God only work slowly? What if that's too long? What if that's too late? Can we never now expect a miracle from God? These are amazing questions. Friends, the good news is that today, above maybe even every other day, the good news is that yes, we can. Yes, we must. We must expect a miracle from God. We can expect God's impact on this world. We can hope for the miraculous because God's spirit raised Jesus from the dead. Y'all can say amen. This was a swift action. God applying great power in a short amount of time and thus impacting the whole of creation for the rest of time. Christ has died. Christ is risen. Christ will come again. This is the central fact that stands in the middle of history and is changing everything still. Death now no longer always wins. That was something that we used to count on, death and taxes. Now death no longer always wins. In fact, sin and death's days are numbered. This is what caused the Apostle Paul to write to the Corinthian church in a taunting manner in 1 Corinthians 15. Where is your victory, death? Where is your sting, death? Thanks be to God who gives us this victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. I realize I'm saying this to a not very clappy congregation, but maybe every time that we clap, kind of henceforth, <laughs> we can be reminded of this great force of God in a little amount of time. You see, a clap is, is a lot of force. Our hand, my hand's moving forcefully together in a short amount of time, and it makes a sound. It makes a noticeable impact. But friends, here's also the good news. God's impact on this world continues, echoes, reverberates, and also works slowly, silently, continuously, faithfully. Just like Jesus shows up at Lazarus's graveside, God has all the time in the world and is never late. God's resurrection power works in small and unsuspecting ways that, ways that rarely make it sound. And sometimes, if you're not ready or attentive, might fly directly under your radar. This also describes Jesus' resurrection in an unmarked grave in a garden the resurrected Jesus is misidentified by his lone, faithful friend, Mary. In this way, God's resurrection power is just as much like the firm posture of praying hands as it is a raucous clap. You see, this is firm pressure, less force over a long period of time. 
It is soundless and it is unsuspecting, but it is no less impactful. While never being mistaken for the impact of the Big Bang, this sort of resurrection impact is the sort of power that carved the Grand Canyon, slow and steady. So in a world where thoughts and prayers are just kind of like an auto-reply cop-out, Jesus' resurrection invites us to join in on the revolutionary impact of both clapping and clasping hands in prayer. Because as Karl Barth says, clasping hands in prayer is the beginning of an uprising against the disorders of this world. So when Mary was gathered at Jesus' tomb, hands clasped in grieving prayer, it was the beginning of an uprising against the disorders of this world. And it was a making right and a making new. Because Jesus is risen, we can walk and work and pray and hope in this world that still hurts towards new life. When healing comes quickly and miraculously, praise God, resurrection. But when it takes longer than we can handle, longer than we can tolerate, don't despair. God is still at work. God works in both the clap and the clasp of hands. And Jesus continues to call a resurrection people to himself to join in this dynamic work of impact. Martha's expectation that God might still work in Jesus despite her brother's death was mostly true. But she couldn't see. She couldn't yet know. Not that God could work despite death, but that God works in Jesus through death. It is precisely at the point of despair and impossibility and desolation, the terminal, that God works. The prophet Isaiah talks about this in in our Keystone Oak Church passage, Isaiah 61, all these instead ofs. Instead of ashes, God brings about a crown of beauty. Instead of mourning, the oil of joy. Instead of despair, a garment of praise. Also, as we decorate this flowering cross, Isaiah 35 tells us that instead of, in the midst of, right where there was a desert wilderness, there now will be rejoicing and blossoming, blooming to new life. It's Jesus has been saying what we've been studying all Lent, I am this, I am that, I am the bread of life, I am the good shepherd, I am the gate for the sheep, I am the way, the truth, and the life. He now says to her, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me will live even though they die. This is where resurrection happens, right here. And for all the patience required, don't wait. When resurrection meets you in Jesus, join in. I am the resurrection. The good news of Easter is that God continues to work through presence and power in places of pain and death. That Jesus is both the resurrection, that insane and impossible one-off that has become the new paradigm, we call it the first fruits of the new creation, that major 
impact, God's salvation springing from the stump of sin and death. Jesus is the resurrection, but Jesus is also the life, the ongoing, the inane and ordinary, the quotidian, the insignificant realities that we all face that are sometimes happy, sometimes sad, but mostly just kind of meh. The resurrection and the life, the clap and the clasp of hands. Jesus is inviting us into his own resurrection life that we might die with him and be raised with him, that we might clap for joy and clasp hands in prayer even when we don't know what else to do, and that we might walk in this spirit, the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead with the God who loves this world so much that he died for it and will be forever alive in it with us. Will you all pray with me? Jesus, we give you thanks for the truth of this resurrection, the hope of it, and, and the way that we can participate in it even now. Lord, when it's time to clap and make a big instant impact and expect your instant impact, Lord, give us faith for it. When it's time to clasp hands and bear down, to be in it for the long run and to stick with you, you are steadfast. Give us faith. Give us trust. Lord, we thank, thank you for your spirit that r makes all of this possible, that raised you from the dead, and that fills us even today and bears much fruit. We pray all this in the strong, resurrected name of Jesus. Amen.